For five years, $303.7 million Supermax extension. The reason he was eligible for that Supermax is because he made an all-NBA team. So these players are incentivized to play well. You get voted or you get you know, signed up on a Supermax deal. It's because of your performance on the court. It's all merit-based. He deserves it. Second team, all-pro. And he got the big contract, got it just in time. So congratulations to Jalen Brown. Richest deal in NBA history, like I said, for now. And one of the cool things about Jalen Brown, he had his he had his press conference today when he signed the deal. And it happened to be at one of his charity events, which I thought was really cool. But one thing that stuck out to me when he had the interview, the first question they asked him was, what are you going to do now with this generational wealth? And he didn't say, I'm going to work harder. I'm going to get in the gym. I'm going to, you know, I want to win championships. He didn't give you any of the cliche answers that most players give you. He gave a real answer. He's a real thoughtful young man, very smart man with the Cal Berkeley, very intelligent, very culturally. He has his ear to the street with his culture, with black people. In society, he understands what's going on. He was at the forefront of everything going on during COVID, during police brutality, the riots. He was at the forefront of it all. So he has his pulse on the culture. So it was very profound what he said when they asked him what he would do with his generational wealth. He talked about the, the economic gap in the city of Boston as far as low-income people, and, you know, high-income people. He talked about bridging that gap, what he can do with other millionaires and billionaires in the city of Boston, with politicians, with other businesses in the city of Boston, how to bridge that gap, how he can fund and promote other programs to help inner cities. Like, he talked about things that he can do with his money to affect change in society outside of Boston and in, in the rest of the U.S. I was happy, surprised, and inspired by what he said about what he's going to do with his money. Somebody his age, Jalen Brown is 26 years old, and for him to have the mindset of the change he can make now that he has his money was bigger than basketball. That was the message I got from what he said. In his press conference, it was the first answer he gave. It was very insightful. You can tell he was raised right, brought up in a great environment, and hopefully he continues to push that narrative and he kind of puts his money where his mouth is. So congratulations to Jalen Brown. This is a sign of the right person making money, making millions of dollars, and, and using it for the right thing. So I just hope that that happens. So shout out to him. I got a nephew that goes to college out in Boston, so... It'll be exciting to see what happens in the community up there. And Jalen Brown can be at the forefront of that. And have younger players that will get more money to him in the future following his footsteps, i.e. Jason Tatum, who's up for a max contract next year, a super max contract. He'll probably be an all-NBA player again, MVP candidate, of course. So he'll be up for super max dollars. And if you look at how the money is going, the Boston Celtics may be paying two players over $600 million in full contracts when it's all said and done by 2029. So stay tuned on that. Like I said, this might as well be the money 
episode. <laughs> I wish I had a green screen and I just dollar signs flying behind me. So big money we're talking about. Next big money contract, Justin Herbert. Quarterback for the Chargers, LA Chargers, signs five-year, $262.5 million extension. Great move for the LA Chargers. He's a quarterback of the future. They set that in stone to let the rest of the organization know he is our guy. We're going to build around him. He's young. He is a good player. Now it's time for him to start winning meaningful games. But the contract is warranted. You hear a lot of pundits saying he shouldn't get the money. He hasn't won any games yet. In a quarterback-driven league, when you find the guy, you need to pay the guy. No matter what scale it's on, everybody understands that how hard it is to get a generational talent at quarterback. The L.A. Chargers seem to have the guy, especially if they want to compete with the, compete with the likes of a Patrick Mahomes in this, in this division for the next eight, nine years. After he signed his $10 million deal a couple years back, you need a guy that can match him, throw for throw, score for score. And Justin Herbert, in these last couple years, has proven that he can play. I won't say the Chargers are better than the, the Chiefs, but he's proven that he can go into Arrowhead and win games. He can play and match that level of talent, and he's got the paycheck to prove it. Like Jalen Brown, this is probably the biggest contract in NFL history for now. You still got Joe Burrow, who hasn't got signed yet. I'm sure he's sitting back like, man, all right, all right, Mahomes got paid. Cool. Probably deserved it. All right. Uh, who else got paid? Justin Herbert just got paid. All right, cool, cool. He probably deserved that a little bit of money to change. Okay, he got a little bit of change. Um, who else got paid? Old boy over in Philly. Oh, Jalen Hurts got paid. Okay, went to the Super Bowl, got paid. Okay, I see him 260. Lamar Jackson got paid. Guaranteed money. Okay. So, Jay, so I'm sure Joe Burrow just sitting back applauding everybody for making their money. Because when Joe Burrow comes up to get paid, I couldn't tell you what that number's going to be. It's going to be ridiculous, though. So, just wait. It gets, the, the money just gets crazier and crazier, you know, and it's warranted. They deserve it. Would you rather the money going to them or the billionaires? That's how I look at it. So Justin Herbert got his, like I said, highest paid at the moment. Interested to see what Joe Burrow will do when he is up for his contract here pretty soon. Now, the big question about Joe Burrow is we'll find out more about his personality. Because he already has basically took the Cincinnati Bengals from the depths of mediocrity to a Super Bowl, to AFC championships, to being a Super Bowl contingent team. He's kind of got a, he's at a crossroads right now. So with Burrow, when he, when his contract comes up, which way will he go? Will he take the route of Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, and get as much money as he can? Rightfully so, he deserves it. Or will he take the Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady route where I'm not going to make as much money on the front end because I want a winning team around me and I'm trying to win rings. That's the question that needs to be asked now when it comes to these big contracts. Yes, these quarterbacks deserve it. They're in a position to get the money. But do you want to have big contracts or do you want long-term success with a team around you? So it'll be interesting to see what type of player or what type of personality Joe Burrow has. What type of people Joe Burrow has around him? 
And, you know, will he set himself up for success in the future? Be interested to see that. So more big money talk. Probably the biggest money talk. Saudi Arabia. You guys have probably even heard about this already. Saudi Arabia, who has unlimited money, apparently. You can tell with the live golf and everything. They have offered 24-year-old Kylian Mbappe. He is a professional soccer player in France. Played in the World Cup. You probably saw him last summer, if you remember him. He Basically, it was a coming out party for Mbappe. And Saudi Arabia obviously saw it. They want to pay this man, or reportedly, $1.1 billion to play in Saudi Arabia. You heard me right. $1.1 billion with the B. Big boy talk. All right? So, 24-year-old. Now, put this into perspective. He's 24 playing soccer. Okay? And he's being offered $1.1 billion already. There's no telling how much more money he can be offered moving forward, 27, 29, 30 years old when he's in his prime. Messi just came to Miami with crazy money. Apple deal on the back end of that, Adidas money. He'll for sure get his billion dollars. He's at the tail end of his career. Mbappe's not even in his prime, and he's being offered $1.1 billion by Saudi Arabia. So the $1.1 billion may be a little misleading because I'm sure all the reports you guys seen saw $775 million, something like that. So this is how it breaks down. The Saudi Arabia club is uh, Al-Halil. They're reportedly offering, the offer includes $332 million in transfer fees plus the $776 million salary. So that's where the $1.1 billion comes from. Because in soccer, it's a little different. There's transfer fees, literally buying players. That's how it goes in soccer. So that's what makes him... That's what makes the $1.1 billion valuation for this trade, which would obviously make him the highest paid athlete. This is for one year, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that. This is not a contract for 10 years, five years, three years. Money Radio wants Mbappe for one year. And the salary is $776 million for one year to play in Saudi Arabia. 24-year-old kid. I'm going to ask the audience a question. Please be sure to make sure you like, share, subscribe, comment. This is a live, interactive show. So I love when people comment. We can get into it. 24 years old, you were offered $776 million to go play in Saudi Arabia. Knowing what we know about Saudi Arabia, what decision would you make? You going up? You going out there to play for that one year? You get the bag, the biggest bag? <laughs> The biggest bag. Insane. I'm there. I played the wrong sport. I'm over here. My leg's moving right now under the table talking about soccer. <laughs> I should have probably played that. So that's where that's what we're looking at right now. His agents are saying, you know, they haven't discussed it. Yes, they saw the offer. The whole world saw the offer. You look on Twitter, you see NBA players talking about, man, is there an NBA? Is there a basketball league over there? I'll come get that bag for one year. LeBron got the Forrest Gump emoji. Or the Forrest Gump meme running across America saying he'll run to go get the bag. Giannis Antetokounmpo sent a, a picture, a facial, uh, a picture of himself saying, I look like Mbappe, I'll go over there and play. So everybody's having fun with it. But I mean, the money is ridiculous. So $776 million for one season to play in Saudi Arabia. Which tells me this as a business guy. 
I haven't even stepped foot over there yet, and you offer me $776 million to play one season, tells me that I'm probably worth a billion dollars a year to you. Because that's your first offer. Told you, this is, the, this is the big boy money episode. If you offer me $776 million before I even flew over there, I ain't put a I ain't put a scarf over my face, nothing. You already offering $776 million to me? I, I got to be worth a B. Easy. I got to be worth a B. So stay tuned for that. I'm interested to see what Mbappe is going to do, what his representation thinks, how they feel about it, how the country feels about it. And we'll see what happens with Saudi Arabia. They're, they're clearly on the definition of spare no expense when it comes to athletics. The league may be going over there for basketball. We'll see. What else we got here? All right. Michael Jordan completes the sale of his majority stake in the Charlotte Hornets after 13 years. He bought it for $275 million, I believe. He bought it for $275 million back in 2010. Sold it for $3 billion in 2023. Did he win? Did he lose? Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. But what I do want to talk about is the new ownership. So J. Cole is actually going to be a part of the new ownership as well. Uh, Michael Jordan sold his majority ownership. He will still have a minority stake in the in the team. So he still will be around. He'll still be an influential part of the organization. He just will be making a majority of decisions. And Last but not least, certainly, when it comes to the quick news, big money updates, Dan Snyder to sell the Washington Commanders for a record $6 billion to Magic Johnson and the Harris Company. The Harris Company already owns the Philadelphia 76ers. Magic Johnson owns everything in Los Angeles except the homeless people downtown. So he's over here in Washington now. Dream come true. He's always talked about Verbally, he's talked about how he would love to be an owner in the NFL. So that's great to hear, great to see. I think that'll be a great turning point for that franchise, all the things they went through with Dan Snyder, with the employees, with the name change, just a lot of bad things going on in Washington. The team doesn't even play in D.C. anymore, so hopefully the Harris Group and Magic Johnson can get that ship righted and move them back to D.C. And... Hopefully change that damn name, and we'll see what else happens with this $6 billion sale of a team. Money is getting crazy now. Money is getting crazy. So another thing I want to talk about to touch on with this, this is big news in the NFL, because now we have, along with Melanie Hudson and Condoleezza Rice as African-American owners of a football franchise, they're in an ownership group. They're not the majority owners. Magic Johnson joins them as another team that has a majority stake in a NFL franchise. So we got two teams with African-American representation, which is great news. Shows a little bit of progress. With Michael Jordan selling his ownership stake, we have Magic on the NFL side. So it's great news to hear. The opportunities are being opened up for us. So I love seeing that. Now, with all of that, I'm going to circle back around to the health of these players. Okay? We talked about Bronny. 
with the cardiac arrest. This isn't the first time we've seen it. We've seen it with Lamar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills last season on the field, on camera, nationally televised game. We saw that. And a player from USC that probably people didn't even talk about um, that had cardiac arrest last season as well. Vincent Owultru had cardiac arrest also. What is going on? with these athletes. You gotta understand, these are athletes that are in peak peak shape, peak condition, and their hearts are stopping. It's interesting because I wanna know, and I want you guys to chime in on this as well. A lot of this stuff is happening after 2020. I had to talk with some of my boys about this too. Does this possibly have anything to do with COVID? Is this a COVID-19 thing? Is it a, a side effect? Perhaps all three of these players were vaccinated. So does this have anything to do with the side effects of that? Is it a coincidence? I don't believe in coincidence at all. But it's something to dive into, something to think about. You might not get this on other shows. That's why you got to tune into the X Factor Sports Podcast. We keep it 100 here. But I want to know from you guys. Is this a side effect of that? Is it something going on that we're not being told, of course? Or is these all just three coincidences that athletes are just passing out on the court with cardiac arrest? Thankfully, the medical staff, the EMS, the ambulance, these doctors are on top of this situation and get there before it's too late. Lamar Hamlin is a full go at Bill's training camp, which is great news. He's back on the court. Uh, Vincent, like I said, Vincent is back playing with USC after last year. His cardiac arrest. Hopefully, Ronnie will be able to get back on the court this season. So thankfully, we have our medical staffs that are banded together and saving lives, literally saving lives. But I'm, I'm going to ask the questions that need to be asked. Is this a side effect of COVID-19? You guys let me know. Chime in. Again, we are live on YouTube, Facebook, and TikTok. If you subscribe to the YouTube channel, we got over a 1,000 subscribers on, on YouTube. You can chime in, and I can respond to you guys. It's the X Factor Sports Podcast. When we come back, we are going to talk serious. We're going to deep dive into big money in the sports. All right, this is Jay Mondale of the X Factor Sports Podcast. We're just getting started. We will be right back. Time to unleash your inner sports fan with the X Factor Sports Podcast. Join us every Wednesday night for live, exclusive content on our YouTube. Facebook, and TikTok accounts. Our expert host dives into the latest sports news and analysis to give you the inside scoop on the games you love. Don't miss out on the excitement. Subscribe to the X Factor Sports Podcast now.
Yo, yo, welcome back to the X Factor Sports Podcast. We had a great, great opening segment and layup lines. I hope you guys were in tune to it. If not, you got to be sure to subscribe on YouTube, TikTok, and Facebook. All right, now we're going to get into, like I said, it's the big money episode. We're going to talk money. We're going to talk specifically money in sports. A lot of people that I talk about, or a lot of people that I talk to, living in the middle of America, there aren't a lot of professional sports teams, specifically NBA teams. So in my years of living in this part of the country, I can hear a lot of people talk about, oh, those NBA players make so much money, billions of dollars to play a sport, yada, yada, yada. College players play harder, this and that. That's a better, college basketball is better than NBA. All right, so first of all, shut up. <laughs> Let's just kill that right now because college basketball and the NBA are galaxies apart when it comes to the game itself. It's a totally different game. All right? You talk about the college game, you have one, maybe two players on that team that can go to the NBA. In the NBA, everybody that's on that bench, the last guy on the bench was probably an All-American whatever college you went to, all right? So let's get that right there. Chill out, okay? The game's not even close to being the same. College basketball is turned into a dying sport. They, I mean, even I, I love basketball. I played college basketball. And I'm, I'm getting to the point where I only want to watch the best teams play, which is sad to say, because I love it. I used to, I'll watch college, high school, I'll watch high school games. But the difference is, the game itself, basketball in college, you watch a game. There's going to be 25 turnovers each team. The players going to, the team's going to shoot 25, 30 percent from the field. It's going to be bad shots, turnovers, just just sloppy play. Where in the NBA, it's a it's a next level experience. If you've never been to an NBA game, I recommend you go sit in the 100 section and just see the difference in how the game is played. And maybe you'll have a better understanding of why they make the money they make. But to get into the money side, it's a value proposition. So what I mean by that is the player, when they bring what they bring to the table is what they should get in return, what they're valued at. For example, LeBron left the Cleveland Cavaliers in 2010. Y'all remember the decision, right? Everybody hated him, burned his jerseys. He still bought the jerseys, so he got money for him, but burned it. Never understood why people did that. But nevertheless, I've been seeing that since people been buying Tupac CDs and stepping on them and riding outside. And Tupac said it best. Y'all already bought my CD, so <laughs> it don't matter. Same rules apply. So let me get back to it. LeBron leaves in 2010. Goes to Miami. The, the current owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers is Dan Gilbert. When Dan Gilbert bought the Cleveland Cavaliers, he bought them for just under $500 million. The four years LeBron was in Miami, when Dan Gilbert owned the team, businesses were literally ending. Downtown Cleveland, all the bars, restaurants, everything that was around Quicken Loans Arena was going out of business. There was no reason to go down there. The Browns were terrible. The Indians were terrible. Cleveland Indians, now the Guardians, were terrible. And the Cleveland Cavaliers were in the lottery four years in a row. That's how they were able to get Kyrie, Tristan Thompson, all those guys, right? 
LeBron comes back after four years in Miami, back to Cleveland. The economy in Cleveland, the level of the economy goes up so much that when Dan Gilbert bought the team at under $500 million, by the time he left again in 2016 and 2017, well, he went four years in Cleveland, right? So like 2019, 2020, when he left again, I believe 2018 is the actual number. When he left again, LeBron, the Cleveland Cavaliers were worth $1.2 billion. Let me say that again. Dan Gilbert bought the team at under $500 million. He over doubled the value of the franchise in four years. You mean to tell me that LeBron James isn't worth $50 million a year? The owner of the franchise, his net worth was over double. It was probably 120%. Double, uh, his net worth went up 120% in four years. And I hear people complain, these NBA players make too much money. So the owner is going to make the money regardless. So where do you want the money to go? Should it not go to the player that generated all the revenue for the franchise? You guys tell me, where should the money go? If the owner's making the money anyway, Dan Gilbert is, the, the team is worth $1.2 billion. So the money is generated to Dan Gilbert. And there is a salary cap in this league. There's a floor that the NBA has where a team has to spend X amount of dollars every season. The guy that's generating the revenue for you. So let's say, like I said, it went up $500 million in four years. So let's say $125 million a year is what the Cleveland Cavaliers made when LeBron came back. Went to the finals all four years, won one for Cleveland. The first time in the history of the franchise, Cleveland wins the championship. No telling how much revenue he generated that year. But let's just say for simple math, four years, they went up $500 million, $125 million, right? But $125, LeBron ain't worth getting $40 million of that? I think the answer is easy, right? It's an easy answer. I'll put it to you like this. If I found $1,000 and gave you 400, would you be happy about it? Exactly. So that's the, it's a value proposition. You gotta understand that's how the money works. The money is already generated. So you gotta give it to the players that earned it for you, right? Dan Gilbert ain't out there. You wasn't with me shooting in the gym? Y'all remember that? <laughs> Dan Gilbert ain't out there shooting in the gym. That money is generated by the players. So fans get upset about these players' contract. I don't understand why. The revenue's already there. So again, the players have a small window to earn as much money as they can before they retire. Kobe Bryant, rest in peace, played 20 years in the NBA, which a lot of us, if we are in our careers for 20 years, we're pretty close to getting retired, right? But when we retire from our normal jobs, our normal careers, we're in our 50s and 60s. Kobe retired at 38. He did 20 years of professional basketball and retired at 38. What is he supposed to do the rest of his life? What is LeBron going to do the rest of his life? Carmelo Anthony just retired. I'll use him as an example because he's still with us. 19-year career. Carmelo is the same age as me. I ain't nowhere near retirement. <laughs> Not even close. But Melo is going to retire. 
what is he going to do the rest of his life? His life expectancy is another 40, 50 years. Make as much money as you can in this sport because the billionaires are going to make the money regardless. So I always, I say all that to say this. I will always be pro player when it comes to money because we're talking about billionaires getting more money than billionaires. That's all it is. I don't think of it. That, that's how I look at it. So when it comes to players making money, and if the money is there for them, and they are your top asset, they are the reason that people go through the turnstiles, pay to see you play. I'm not a Laker fan, but if I'm going to a Laker or Bulls game, I'm going to see the Bulls play. I'm going to see who are the Bulls playing against. If they play against the Lakers, you better believe if AD and LeBron ain't playing, I'm not interested in going to the Simple as that. So because of that, I believe that they are worth every penny they make. If Mbappe gets $776 million in Saudi Arabia, somebody believes he's worth that. Like I said in the last segment, he's probably worth a billion. They're living, if that's the first number they throw out, he's probably worth a billion. And he should get every penny of it at 24 years old. Proud of him. More power to you. Same thing with Jalen Brown. A lot of people are going to say, he ain't worth the contract. They ain't won a championship. I see memes about he ain't you. He can't use his left hand. That's what the market, the market suggests he's worth. If you were worth that amount of money, with all of our flaws, none of us are perfect, we would all want that money. Right? Same goes for these athletes. Get your money. There's no telling what can happen to them. Knee injury, career-ending injuries, anything can happen. And then what do they do? Right? They generated all the revenue already for these franchises, and they have to use the salary account anyway. I say pay them as much as you can, get as much money as you can, collective bargain agreements, do what you got to do to get paid. When we come back, I hope y'all like that second. That was a big money second. I liked it a lot. But when we come back, we're going to talk more about this bread. We're going to get into Michael Jordan a deep dive into the Charlotte Hornets. The question will be this, and this is a segment I want you guys to interact with. Did Michael Jordan, was, was his ownership in Charlotte a success? This is Jay Mondane, the X Factor Sports Podcast. When we come back, we will talk, did MJ have success in Charlotte? Be right back. Welcome back to the X Factor Sports Podcast. This is Jay Mondane, 
Thank you guys for tuning in on YouTube, Facebook, and TikTok. Before we get into the MJ segment, we do have to get to y'all favorite segment. It is back. Bet that. Absolutely, we are talking bet that. All right. Be sure to check in all the time, especially in season two when we come back. Football season, bet that will be heavy. We will be talking about picks. We will be talking fantasy football. We will be talking about games every week in football. But the bet we got this week, it's just going to be two straight-up bets. We're not going to do parlays. Unless you want to put these in a parlay, you can. We're just going to have two straight-up bets. we got two big fights this weekend, one in the UFC and one in boxing. Long-awaited boxing match. But first, we're going to talk about the UFC fight. Justin Boyer and Justin Gaethje, part two. All right. If you remember, they fought five years ago in 2018. Justin Boyer won by a fourth-round KO, TKO. And now they are finally here with the rematch in 2023. So, as you can see right now, Boyer is the favorite at minus 162 over Justin Gaethje. I'm going to go ahead and take Poirier with the points, all right? And it's plus 420 if you bet on the points. Basically, what that means is it's going to be a five-round fight. And you can bet that at the end of the fight, you're going to go to a decision, whether it's unanimous or whether it is split. doesn't matter. If always Poirier wins by decision, that means he wins with the points. So my bet would be to go ahead and take Poirier and have the fight go to distance. That's what that means. I have a lot of points. You can also go on and bet different rounds. You can bet by submission. You can do any of those things. So I was at a bachelor party in Colorado last year, and that was when Nate Diaz fought. I don't know what it was. I bet that he would do a fourth-round submission. He ended up hitting on the fourth-round submission, made a nice little chunk of change off of that. So... There are a lot of different ways to win money in UFC fights. This particular fight, this Saturday, July 29th, I believe that it will go distance. Emporium will go ahead and win five points. The next one, long-awaited fight. We've been waiting a long time. Kind of giving me Mayweather-Pacquiao vibes. I'm glad they did it before they were old and gray. But we needed this fight. Errol Spence Jr. finally fighting Bud Crawford, Terrence Crawford, on Saturday. Or the welterweight belt. Now, Terrence Crawford is the favorite at minus 146. I'm gonna go ahead and take Crawford by decision. Again, another fight I think will go the distance. Plus 165 if you take it going all 12 rounds in the decision you need. Again, just like UFC fights, you can go ahead and bet in between rounds. You can bet who will get knocked down first. You can bet if there'll be a KO, there'll be a TKO, there'll be a split decision. A lot of different things you can bet on in boxing and in UFC. That's why I didn't do the normal parlay that you're used to. Because you can go ahead on any of the betting sites that you want. You can place however you feel like one of the fighters will win. For me personally, I can't wait for this fight Saturday night. I think it's going to go the distance. But I got Bud Crawford winning. A long-awaited fight. Hopefully it doesn't take too long for top fighters to fight Future, this is what boxing needs. I think this will drum up more excitement for boxing. I'm more of a boxing guy than a UFC guy. I grew up watching boxing. But we need more characters in the boxing world. 
what I mean by characters is the Floyd Mayweather's, the the Sugar Ray Leonard's, the I'm probably going, I'm probably dating myself with these older guys. But the point I'm trying to make is the entertainment factor, you know, the trash talk, the, the promoting of the fighters. You don't see that as much anymore. If you could, if you could see that happening more often with young up-and-coming fighters as well, Tank Davis, those types of guys. So hopefully we get a little bit of that. We get some fireworks this weekend with two fights. I don't know which fight you guys are watching. I'm fortunate enough that I'm going to have that split screen, you know what I'm talking about, and I'm going to be watching both of the fights. But I got Poirier winning the rematch, and I got him winning that by the points. I got both of them going the distance. Hopefully, they're both great fights. Make sure you guys go to whatever your favorite betting site is, place your bets. This weekend is fight weekend. I'm excited. Can't wait to see who wins these fights. But like I said, I got Poirier by the points, five rounds. And I got Bud Crawford winning in a decision. All right. Go ahead and check that out. When we come back, now we will get into MJ. And you guys let me know. Did Michael Jordan have success with the Charlotte Hornets? When we come back, this is the x Factor Sports Podcast. Yo, yo, welcome back to the X-Factor Sports Podcast. Again, I appreciate you guys for tuning in. These episodes can be seen live on YouTube, Facebook, and TikTok. But you can also catch the audio on Apple Podcasts, and you can also catch the audio on Spotify. All 10 episodes are already on Apple and Spotify, and episode 11 will be there tonight. So be sure to check me out. If you want to see this face, you know what I'm saying? You can go ahead and check out the video, you know what I mean? Check the video out. Or if you don't want to see this face, it's fine. You can just listen to my voice and get the audio. Apple Podcasts and Spotify. All right, let's talk MJ. Michael Jordan has sold the Charlotte Hornets. 13 years in ownership. He sold his majority stake. In the, in the franchise. He bought the team back in 2010 for $275 million and he sold it for $3 billion in 2023. So, was his ownership a success? There's a lot of different ways to look at it. If you are a basketball fan, if you are a basketball lover, and, all, and you care about the results on the court, you would probably say no was not a success. Um, he had some questionable draft picks. Hell, he even lost a friendship with Charles Barkley because Barkley told him he wasn't really good as an owner. I don't think they've talked since. 
That's the pettiness and the competitiveness of MJ. You slide them in any way, you just don't like you no more, I guess. So hopefully they'll be friends again now that he don't own the team no more. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe they'll mend some fences at 60 years old. But questionable draft picks. His two biggest draft picks, LaMelo Ball and Kimball Walker, of course. Kimball was an all-star. Melo was an all-star. He will be an all-star in the future. Those are great pickups, but he had so many, I mean, 13 years of draft picks. He, he didn't do great. Uh, only three playoff appearances when he was the owner. They were all first-round exits. So very mediocre in terms of team success, in terms of on the basketball floor, the teams that were put together, coaches, GMs, whatever situation it may be. Um, I used to always joke about it, man, he drafted his Carolina dudes, and his Carolina dudes were trash. He's just so loyal to North Carolina. To a fault. So it didn't work out. And the any Adam Morrison's in the world. But nevertheless. <laughs> um, if you're looking at it from a business standpoint, though, I would say that it was a success. This is a very unpopular opinion, but I don't care. That's why this is the x Factor Sports Podcast. Because the, the views of the podcaster are going to be different from everybody else. It will set itself apart. That's what X-Factors do. Check it out. He sold it for $3 billion. He got the original name back. If you remember, they were the, Bob, they were the Bobcats when Bob Johnson, he on BET, Bob Johnson bought the Charlotte Hornets, named them the Bobcats, which is weird. It was weird for a few years that they were the Charlotte Bobcats, but whatever. Jordan brought them back to being the Charlotte Hornets, okay? And mind you, Jordan is from North Carolina, so to, to buy his hometown team could have been his dream. He's the first African-American owner of a major sports team in North America, the first black owner. So very big deal in 2010. This was huge. Brought the team back, kept them in Charlotte before they disbanded or left or went to another city. Kept them in Charlotte, got their name back. And there was a lot of success in that. I mean, he fans came in, watched the players play, watched the team win games. Didn't have the best record. I think they were under 500 during his ownership. They were like a 44, 45% winning percentage team over those years. So not successful, no. But in terms of what is down in North Carolina, what is down there in terms of professional sports, I would say it was a success. He obviously generated enough revenue for them to go from a $275 million team to a $3 billion team. Same thing we talked about with Dean Gilbert. The revenue was generated. He just didn't get the right players in there to win enough or win as much. But he walks away. You know, knowing that he gave it a shot, you can't really call it a failure because he tried to own a team. Like you got to think about we're marginalizing what failure is because he because he's the great Michael Jordan, and because of what he did on the basketball court, anything else that he does that doesn't that isn't equivalent to six titles seems like a failure to most people. But I wouldn't consider it a failure because he had a goal. He reached that goal, kept it, kept his team where he wanted them to stay, got the Jordan logo partnered with the NBA. It's on jerseys, it's everywhere. Generated revenue for the NBA. 
um, inspired more black ownership in other North American sports. Since he was the first one to do it, he got a lot of scrutiny, a lot of criticism for it. Took all those arrows. And so with that, I call it a success, a cultural success, what have you. But a success nonetheless, because he had goals and he, and he realized those goals. Some of the tangible things in between weren't the success, but overall, I would call it a successful business venture, let's say that. As a basketball fan, hopefully the Charlotte Hornets can get on track with new ownership. We'll see what happens. But at the same time, he still is a minority owner, so he has an influence with what direction the team will go into. I'm sure they will still go to him for basketball acumen. He just doesn't have the final say. And maybe that's the position he needs to be in after 13 years realizing I have other things going on. You know, maybe I need to take a step back. Maybe we'll see what, what else happens. Also, I've heard the reason he had to sell the team might have been a little money trouble. That's, that's what I heard. But I don't know. He probably needed to get some of that money. So, nevertheless, <laughs> he's still going to be a minority owner in the business, a minority stake in the business, I should say. So we'll see what happens in the future of the Charlotte Hornets. But congratulations to MJ for flipping $275 million to $3 billion. I mean, sounds real successful to me. So we'll see what happens with the Charlotte Hornets in the future. When we come back, we'll get into the two-minute warning, and we will close the show out. Appreciate you guys for tuning in. This is the X Factor Sports Podcast. Yo, yo, welcome back. Again, episode 11 of the X Factor Sports Podcast. We're going to end this show right. Big money episode, big dreams. So, obviously, if you're making money like that, you've got big dreams and aspirations. That has to come with success. So, let's get into that. Don't measure your success with validation. What do I mean by that? It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about your success, okay? Your success is yours. Whether it's small victories, big victories, whatever it is, you don't need validation for what it is you want to do, okay? Set goals for yourself. Understand where potential pitfalls might come when you break down these goals. Be sure to evaluate the whole landscape of where you're trying to go. See where the pitfalls are, the pros and cons. Make a plan to overcome those pitfalls. Plan B, C, D, whatever it is, if your goal is a straight line, there are going to be pitfalls in different avenues that you will have to get there, right? Work harder than everyone else. Keep your head down and just work. All of the accolades and congratulations, all of that stuff will come. But if you are looking to be successful, whatever it is, podcasting, business, 
sports, life, dancing, whatever it is that you are interested in doing, put your head down, make a plan, and go do the work. Don't worry about the validation in between. The people that are with you at the end, when you are successful, those are the ones, if you saw them in the beginning and you see them at the end, those are the ones that actually care. Those are the ones that were there for you, that cheered for you. They may have done it in silence. They may have done it on the side. Those are the people that wanted to see your success. So like I said, don't measure your success with validation. Measure your success with success. Thank you guys for tuning in to the X-Factor Sports Podcast. Do not miss next episode. It is the season finale of the X-Factor Sports Podcast. Episode 12, the season finale is next Wednesday. Big show. Can't wait to see you guys. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube, Facebook, and TikTok. This is the X-Factor Sports Podcast. Peace.